reading is Hannah Torrance, and the Bible reading today is going to be Hebrews 13, 20-25. Our Lord Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep, the God who gives peace brought him back from the dead. He did it because of the blood of the eternal covenant. Now may God supply you with everything good, then you can do what he wants. May he do in us what is pleasing to him. We can do it only with the help of Jesus Christ. Give him glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I beg you to, to accept my word. It tells you to be faithful. Accept my word because I have written to you only a short letter. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been set free. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders. Greet all the Lord's people. The believers from Italy send you their greetings. May grace be with you all. Indeed. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you this morning. Welcome. Welcome to Windsor District Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us today, I want to especially welcome you. Uh, it is a privilege to, to have you uh, joining us for worship as a part of our fellowship today. A uh, little bit of a different sort of Sunday for us, uh, so thank you for accommodating our late start today. Um, but don't worry, my sermon's only 48 minutes, not just, just kidding. <laughs> uh, some of you got it, some of you didn't. Um, but uh, we are glad that you're, we're, we're glad that you're here, glad that you're worshiping. We hope you got a chance to participate in the special morning tea uh, today, and uh, we're so glad that you can, you can be with us. Uh, we are finishing our series through the book of Hebrews today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 to 25 is our text. Ooh, just got real loud and echoey. Can we back that off a little bit? There we go, thanks. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 to 25. Uh, most of us don't pay attention to the ending of a letter. I don't know about you, but you get to the email and you sort of like scroll, 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 signature, sign off. Okay, that's great. Uh, but if we do that with this letter, we're going to miss one of the most enriching pictures of the whole letter, of the whole address. And that's the picture of Jesus Christ as the shepherd. Uh, it's a short message this morning. There's no slides. Well, there's just a couple slides for you, but uh, I'll get to those a little bit later. Um, but just a simple message from the end of this letter. And so I want to start with that idea that Jesus is your shepherd. Jesus is your shepherd. That, I hope, is going to be the controlling and dominating theme of your life this week to know that Jesus is your shepherd. What does it mean that Jesus is our shepherd? There's a few things that we can deduce from that. Uh, first of all, it means that I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. I'll never forget, I was at Oxygen Conference in 2013. I was really, I was running low. I was really burned out in ministry. And the conference was whole designed to, to talk, uh, uh, to admit to pastors and church leaders about how to, how to sort of find refreshment in ministry. And I'll never forget, Francis Chan walked onto the stage, they were teaching through John's gospel. And he just said some of the most freeing words I'd heard in a long time, which is, you're a sheep. You're a sheep. Now, what's a sheep? A sheep is not the most menacing of animals, is it? 
right? They're, they're, they're adorable, they're cuddly, they might be a little bit stinky. Um, they're, they're not known for being incredibly bright, uh, but they are loved. They are loved. To be in the shepherd's care, first we need to understand that we're a sheep. And so I'll, the first thing I want to do this morning is just relieve you of that pressure that you might be feeling that I need to figure it all out that I need to do it myself, that I need to make my way. Maybe some of you have been feeling a lot of pressure in that space, that you need to figure it out, that you need to make that way, that if it doesn't, that the buck has to stop with you, and if you don't do it, it won't get done. That it all depends on you, your ingenuity, your resources, your energy, your wealth, your expertise, your education, all these things. If you came in this morning relying on your own strength, Jesus sees you as a sheep. If we're a sheep, we not only uh, have limitations, but it also means we need, we need to be fed and we need to be led. So this morning, in just a few minutes, what I want to unpack for you is what does it mean to be in the shepherd's care? Jesus is described in these verses as the great shepherd of the sheep. What does it mean to be in the shepherd's care? I suggest it's going to mean for you three things. It's going to mean you're under the shepherd's protection. It's going to mean you're under the shepherd's provision. And it means you're under the shepherd's affection. Jesus protects you. Jesus provides for you. And Jesus loves you. That's what it means to be in the shepherd's care. Let's look at how the uh, writer ends these verses. He ends with, with a benediction. And as I read this, I'm going to read it as a prayer for Windsor District Baptist Church. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, May he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What a blessing. What a prayer. In this letter to the Hebrews, we've been looking at this tension of living in the already and the not yet. <laughs> Jesus has already made his sacrifice he has already entered the presence of God. He is already interceding for you. But we have not yet fully entered into what he has promised. We have not yet fully arrived at the city of God. We have not yet, we have not yet attained all the promises. In this tension of the already and the not yet, you may have noticed that the writer to the Hebrews is, is on the one hand, comforting you and he's trying to say that you have this great salvation that that Jesus Christ the one who is the same yesterday today and forever that he ever lives to make intercession for you that you can approach the throne of grace with confidence that you have the hope of Christ as an anchor for your soul that goes right into the very holy place of God you may recall some of those comforting promises then you may also recall some of the warnings because for as much as the hearers have these things, the writer to the Hebrews is, is, is warning them to say, don't neglect this great salvation. 
Yes, it's great, but don't ignore it. Yes, you've been given this hope, but, but don't stop believing it. Not to put too much of a journey reference on it. You have this promise to enter. Be sure that you don't fall short. And you may feel yourself in a bit of a roller coaster as you go through this letter, going back and forth. He's comforting me. He's warning me. He's comforting me. He's warning me. It's because he senses within his church some complacency. He senses within his church a bit of dullness in hearing, getting a bit tired of the message, getting a bit fatigued, feeling the appeal of the world, feeling this draw, this, this, this pull, this tug back into the old life. But it is fitting here that he finishes with this blessing, with this benediction, to remind them upon whom they depend, and that is Jesus. So we're going to look briefly this morning at what it means to be under Jesus' protection, what it means to be under his provision, and what it means to be under his affection. Let's pray. Father, would you help us this morning to see clearly the hand of our shepherd. May we know and love him. In your name we pray. Amen. We are under the shepherd's protection. Now what qualifies Jesus to, to be our protector? The the qualifications are actually within, within this benediction. Within the qualification, we're told that the one who is our shepherd is the one whose blood forms the eternal covenant. In the book of Revelation, they were, the saints were described as those who overcame the, the, the accuser, overcame the enemy, overcame the beast, the false prophet, overcame the world because of the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony. It's the blood of Jesus that seals your redemption. It's the blood of Jesus that secures your forgiveness. It's the blood of Jesus that atones for your sin. And so it is the blood of Jesus that binds you in agreement and relationship to God. And so your ultimate protection isn't necessarily just from the world or from the devil or even from your, your, your flesh, which is riddled with sin, but the ultimate protection needed is security from the wrath of God and the blood of Jesus secures you from the holy wrath of God that would have fallen upon you. But far from simply being brought into a safe place, you're brought also into a relationship through this blood. And so this is blood of a covenant. It's not just blood of a contract. It's blood of a covenant like a covenant of marriage where a wife and husband are bound together. Where they're brought into a relationship whereby both parties are changed and, and forever they carry forward in union. So you're brought into union with Christ. So your security, my security, our protection in this world comes from the blood of Christ shed on the cross that has been accepted by God as the atoning sacrifice that secures the covenant between us and him, secures our relationship. And I don't know about you, but I feel so much better that I'm protected by the blood of Jesus 
that I'm protected by my own understanding or my own wit, my own wisdom. But how do we know this protection really is what it is? The proof is in, again, who this shepherd is. He is the one who was brought back from the dead. And so it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ It is in his rising from the dead that is the proof for you and for me and for the entire world that God has indeed accepted his blood, that he's accepted his sacrifice as the price of our redemption. When Peter is addressing the crowds in Jerusalem some 40 days after Jesus has ascended into heaven, Peter says the grave could not hold him. You see, the one who is your shepherd is the one who is born the curse, who has paid your redemption and therefore has overcome, and he's demonstrated this by rising from the dead. You see, if there is one, one common denominator in humanity, it's death. But Jesus broke that. He's the one who protects you. When your body is failing when your mind is racing and running away and when you feel like you're getting caught up in the decisions or the regrets that you, you have in the past, it is the blood of Jesus which stands as your seal. It is the eternal covenant that you have with God. God who didn't just make you, but God who knew you before the foundation of the world and has called you to himself that he would spend eternity with you. You see, the risen Jesus and the blood that he shed covers you. You are spared wrath or wrath, as the Aussies like to say. We're under the shepherd's protection. We're also under the shepherd's provision. Look at verse 23. This is the substance of the benediction. May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. May the God of peace equip you or supply you or provide for you. You see, to be a sheep is not simply to be guarded, but it's also to be fed. Peter would write to the scattered church, he would say, he, that is the Father, has given you everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who loved us. Stop and think for a moment. When you hear the words of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or there is no good thing that I lack. Does that describe your soul? Oftentimes we get caught up in thinking, oh, it's going to be better over there. Or I, I, I can just, if I can just get to that patch of grass, that's the good grass. <laughs> if I can just, if I can just uh, navigate here to here to here to here, then I will be supplied for and cared for. But oftentimes, like that little sheep roaming around with our head, you know, this far from the ground, we're just, we're just looking and searching. What we don't see is the shepherd behind us who knows where the good food is, who knows where the still waters are, who knows where we find a drink, who knows where we're supposed to go. 
The writer to the Hebrews is praying that, that his hearers would be supplied with every good thing for doing his will. You see, there's an intention behind the provision. The intention behind the provision is that you and I would accomplish, perform, would, would, would embody the will of God in our own lives. That we would become people who reflect the glory of God. By doing good, by being generous, by accomplishing the Father's will. Isn't it amazing that God invites us into his kingdom as participants, not simply as spectators? If you've come to church as a spectator, I want to encourage you, that's not why you're here. God didn't invite you in to watch. He didn't just come and say, hey, I'm going to do something cool. Why don't you go sit down over here? Here, make yourself comfortable, grab a bit of popcorn, you know, just, just, just hang out. You know, I'll put, I'll, I'll, I got you some nice seats next, next to some other nice people and, you know, just, just, just sit back and watch. No, 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 he, he invites us in. So the, the, the provision has an intention behind it. So, so the supplying that comes from this God who gives peace, the supplying is for the doing of his will. You see I just came back from a couple days at camp. I was up at Camp Tukley. Raise your hand if you've been to Camp Tukley. Anybody here been to Camp Tukley? There we go. Like it. Love it. Right? Um, and, and I experienced this very interesting phenomenon that maybe you, you can relate to. Uh, but when you're on camp, you don't quite know what the next meal is going to be. So, so if you feel really good about the meal that you're eating, you tend to just sort of load up. Right? Well... At this camp, I have never been fed as much food in my entire life. You start with cereal, and then you move to hot breakfast. And then an hour and a half later, you come and you get morning tea, which consists of two prepackaged goods and a piece of fruit. And then an hour and a half later, you come back for lunch, which is another massive plate. And then about two hours after that, you come for afternoon tea. And, and afternoon tea, which again consists of two prepackaged things and another piece of fruit. And then an hour and a half after that, you come back for dinner, which is a massive hot meal. And then after dinner, three hours later, you come back for supper at nine o'clock, which consists of dessert and Milo. I have never been fed so much. And I totally miscalculated. Because you don't know what the next meal is going to be. And so at breakfast, you're looking at a guy who went back for seconds of cereal. <laughs> Only to be followed by a hot breakfast of bacon and eggs. And then, you know, you can't quite pass up morning tea. Some of you are starting to look at my waistline here. Please don't look. <laughs> right? So you, and they just keep feeding. Now, the only reason I am somehow able to up, be upright and fit in my clothes after a couple of days of this camp is because in that hour and a half, do you know what I was doing? I was walking all over the grounds. I was putting on harnesses and taking off harnesses, helping kids into canoes and out of canoes. I was doing all sorts of active things. And I understood, ah, this is why they feed us so much. Because they real, they're probably not thinking of us. <laughs> they're thinking of our little people. 
who they know are going to be active for eight hours that day, who are going to be tired, who need sustenance. But imagine if they didn't do anything. Imagine if they just turned up at mealtime and then went and sat in the room and played on their device. You see, behind the provision is an intention. Behind the abundant supply of God, of his gifts and of his grace and of his power is this intention that you and I would be these vessels that, that embody the life and the character of God. One of the most uncomfortable things to be is a Christian who's only in a posture of receiving, who's only in a posture of feeding. The writer to the Hebrews chastised them earlier in this book. He said, you know, by now you all should be teachers. But you still just want the milk. And the fact that you probably need the milk shows maybe you haven't really been feeding properly. But don't doubt the provision. Some of us say, well, what's God given me? That's maybe not the best place to start. Might be better to say, where is he leading me? What is he asking me to do? What is he inviting me to participate in and trust that he will supply what you and I need? We're under his protection, we're under his provision, but we're also under his affection, meaning he delights in us. Notice the outcome of all this. May he work in us. Notice now he's doing something in us, what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. The idea is that we become more and more beautiful. He already loved us. While we were sinners, Paul writes, he died for us. You can't, you can't go to God and say, you only love me when, it, when I do the right thing, like, like a petulant teenager might say to their parents. Who would do that? No, you can't say that to God because before the foundation of the world, knowing what you would do, knowing how you would fall, knowing how you would shake your fist at him and say, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it this way. Knowing all that, he died for you. He shed his blood for you. So he doesn't love you for what you can give him. But notice the effect of this provision is this growing sense of delight and this growing sense of affection, this this. This joyous participation, the love gets deeper and richer as he works in you what is pleasing, what is pleasing to the Father. And what happens? What's the outcome of all of this? Jesus Christ is held up. He's held up higher and higher. It's more beautiful, it's more glorious, it's more worthy. If you look closely at the language in the Old Testament behind glory and contempt, it's actually, it's uh, behind these two words is the idea of, of weight or mass. And so to be glorious was to be heavy, weighty. But to treat God with contempt was to treat him lightly, to treat him trivially. And so the idea is that as 
as the church is, is protected by Christ and is provided for and is sustained by Christ and as, as he works in us what is pleasing to him, what, what happens is Jesus Christ becomes this, this rock, this, this boulder, this cornerstone, if you will, which becomes so big and so weighty, you can't ignore it. Except to your own detriment. And so the effect is that Christ is glorified. And God through him as well. But notice even, the effect, even this, this accomplishing of the work that's pleasing to God. This, this delight that God, this increasing delight that God takes in us. It's, it's through Jesus. It's all, it's all in connection with him. I want to take a moment and talk to you about our vision. I might get Pastor Chris to pop this on the screen. So our vision here at WDBC is to see all people transformed by God's word and by his spirit for faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to focus on the, the, the highlighted bits there. All people transformed by God's word and spirit for faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that God is doing a work, that through, through the proclamation of the gospel and through the activity of the Holy Spirit, that God is changing lives. I'll come back to these next ones in a minute. But it's quite simple. Jesus came for everyone. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus came for everyone. Jesus changes lives. Therefore, everyone can change. You say, I don't know if I want to change. Really? How about, how about change from being a mortal to being immortal? Would anybody sign up for that? <laughs> how, about, how about a change from, from being empty on the inside to, to being full? To, to feeling like you have actually a, a spring or a well of just refreshing, life-giving water. Not, not, not that you're trying to sort of dribble, take drinks of, but it's flowing out of you. It's just, it's just coming out of you. Would you sign up for that change? Everyone can change. At WDBC, this is, this is our conviction. Everyone can change. And God is trying to... to to bring about this transformation, but he does it. He does it through our relationship to Christ. And that relationship is on the basis of faith. It's not on the basis of our performance. It's not on the basis of our tradition. It's not on the basis of, of our association with other Christians or on the basis of even the things that we were taught. It's on the basis of hearing the gospel, hearing the grace of God and responding with an active trust in Jesus Christ that works itself out by accommodating our lives to his priorities and his purposes. So how's, how can he change us? Well, take the simple John 14, 6. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. He's, he's leading us back to God. That's a change that we're expecting people to see when they come through our doors. That, that, that in their time at WDBC, that they would be brought back into the way of truth and the way of peace. Jesus is the truth. And by that, we understand that Jesus is, is allowing us to see God more clearly. 
And finally, Jesus is the life, meaning he's the empowering presence that enables us to reflect God's goodness to the world. Jesus is our great shepherd. We're under his protection. We're under his provision. We're under his affection. What I want to do now is I want to focus on verse 22. He says, uh, brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. For in fact, I've written to you quite briefly. <laughs> I want to do something a bit different now to, to end this message and to end, to end our time in Hebrews because so much, so much of this book is, is written and meant to be communicated for a response. It's meant to draw out a response. So what I want to do now in the service is just to finish it off before uh, Jared and the band come forward is to, is to invite you to make a response. And I'm going to give you some prompts that you may want to respond to. And what I'm going to ask is I'm going to ask if you would like to make a response to come forward to, to one of the microphones and, and to, to, to just share. I realize it can be a bit intimidating, but come on here. We're all friends. We're not. Right? Make a response. So the writer says, bear with my word of exhortation. So here's what I would love to hear from you. One of two things. First of all, in our time through this book of Hebrews, has there been an exhortation, a, a challenge, a word the Lord has given you, called upon you, that he's asking you to respond to? It could be from weeks and weeks and weeks ago. It could be from today. It could be from any time. It could just be from your own meditation as you've been to this book. But in knowing who Jesus is and what he's done, is there something that God has exhorted you to hear? And he's called you. Hear this. Hear this call. Hear this challenge. We would love to hear what that is. Share that with us. The, the other side. Is there something for which you want to give gratitude? At the end of his major exhortation, the writer says, let us be thankful. Chapter 12, verse 28. Let us be thankful or let us be grateful in light of all that God's done for us. Is there something that you would like to share with the fellowship this morning that you're grateful for? You say, God has stirred my heart to gratitude and, and, and this is what I want to thank him for today. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to invite you forward. It doesn't have to be long. It can be, you know, it can just be a word, a word or two. If you, if you can't get up for whatever reason and you just want to put your hand up, we'll, we'll take a mic to you. But, but because so much of this is geared toward response, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you that the gospel is an invitation Thank you that you did not impose yourself on us, but you gave us this opportunity, Lord, to respond of our own volition in faith. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts again through your Holy Spirit this morning, that you might put on to the lips of your people a word of exhortation or a word of gratitude that might benefit those who hear today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Word of exhortation, word of gratitude. I'm going to take a seat, and you can, whoever wants to can come up. I won't say too much, but just that in the past week, I was connected again with somebody I knew a long time ago, a school friend. And uh, yeah, that was wonderful. That was amazing. And we knew each other for a little while in my young adulthood. But I think what occurred for me then was that I had this surge of old memories. They weren't really good ones. Mm. Um, and I'd lie awake at night and be just remembering things I hadn't thought of for such a very long time and didn't really want to think of. But that then has reminded me of how God has transformed me from being that person and he's just made, um, taken away any shame that I felt, um, and yeah, so that's what I'm incredibly grateful for. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. I am grateful that God doesn't let you go. The last two years with COVID has been a real disconnection and it brought me back to my depression. And I kept thinking, how am I going to get out of it? And it's only me that can do something about it. But this week, every morning this week, I ask God to get me out of bed and do one chore through the day and to listen to him, mm. and this morning I asked him that I could take the sermon in, mm. and I did, mm. and it's been a real blessing. Mm. Praise the Lord. I think many of us struggle with complacency as we get older. <laughs> I think that if you've been a Christian for a long time, it is easy to relate to this um, passage on Hebrews. Mm. And I know I've been challenged as mm. we've gone through. I'm not good at remembering verses, so <laughs> I'm not going to quote anything. But I have been uh, challenged to really look 
at how I'm living for Christ and how I'm putting that into my daily practices and in the relationships I have with other people. Thanks, Anne. Two things. One, the to be patient. Um, the time when the, God's timing is impeccable, <laughs> and uh, when it is the right time, it happens. So, uh, a bit of a journey has been transpiring over the last few years, and it's just all come to completion in the last couple of weeks, actually. <laughs> so, that's. Uh, um, just as where we felt led, and we didn't know when, where, yeah. and it's um, brought my wife and I to where I think he wants us to be. Yeah. Uh, in a challenging sense, I think the Spirit's placed um, on my heart to be on the lookout for his brothers and sisters, yeah. to keep an eye and, and see if they're having difficulty with anything, yeah. and reach out and just be led by the Spirit to see where He wants you to help. Mm. I think that's mm. it. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, there's so many different sections in this book of Hebrews that I could probably quote. Um, but this one stuck out to me uh, a couple of weeks back, and it's from Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Um, I wrote in my in my little diary that I note things in. A good reminder to me, never put your energies into acquiring wealth and security. Instead, be content and enjoy what God's given you. Be generous to others, trust in God's provision for all I truly need. I will not fear. Mm. So, good verse to take with you. Thank you. Amen. Um, I haven't been able to make it to all of the regular services as I've been very involved in the morning services, but as I flipped through my Bible and looked at the notes, it was Jesus, faith, Jesus, faith, Jesus, faith. And I'm like, yep, that's where I'm being pressed on this year. The Lord's been saying to me, do you trust me? Would you even step off a cliff and let go and trust me? And then... Um, one of our newest members today came over and I think he thought he was reflecting on our group discussion, but really he was giving a pastoral word to me. And this is Kyle and he was speaking and I agreed really nicely. Like, yeah, I think that's what everybody should think. But I was like, oh, you just spoke to me. And he said, if we control too much, we don't leave room for what the Lord wants to do. And 
I am a very self-professed controller and um, self-sufficient. Jesus has just got that bit that I just couldn't do myself. Isn't that horrible? But I don't realize I'm living that out in my life. And he's saying, will you go deeper with me? Will you go deeper? And then my brother Kyle says, what if we just let go of control? Then we've got room for the spirit to really work. And I was really encouraged by that. So um, it's just all the journey I'm on this year. And uh, it's all been feeding the same message. Thank you. Earlier this year, I had an impression to um, to spend the year thinking about the word abide. And uh, recently, I had a, a real sense of um, how abide is connected to Jesus is my habitat. And I've been involved in the environment this year, particularly with my work. And um, more and more, as I thought about it, Jesus is my hiding place. He's my all-sufficiency. And just that sense of habitat, where I abide, where I live, where I get my sustenance. And that's, um, that's really been brought home on a regular basis, that, that word habitat. Thank you, Pete. Be shy. Anyone else? thank those of you who shared this morning. That was such an encouragement and blessing to my heart. Um, let's have more of that. Let's have more of that. Um, I encourage you, you never know the slightest conversation. Thank you, Kyle. Um, the slightest conversation. Bringing the Lord into it. Bringing gratitude showing how you're trusting Jesus. You never know how the Spirit's going to use that example to show somebody else that they can trust him too. I'm going to invite Jared to come up with the worship team. We're going to, we're going to conclude in song. Um, but I left off one, I left off one other thing. One other thing. We're not under just the shepherd's protection. We're not under just the shepherd's provision. We're not just under his affection. We're also under the shepherd's direction. We're under his direction. And if you said, who knows where we're going? 
the shepherd knows. Let that be a comfort to you. He will get you to the destination. You will make it. Keep listening for his voice. Keep walking together. Let's stand and worship Jesus. Oh
The God of peace has poured out his grace upon you through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. May his grace and peace be with you. And may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, May he equip you, Windsor District Baptist Church, with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.